Welcome, listeners. It's Jake and Joe with another episode of Dodgers We Believe, a Dodgers fan fan podcast. Hey, everyone. That's Joe, and this is Jake. Um, So let's just jump right in. On this day in baseball offseason, December of 2018, uh, Puig's suit officially has gained popularity. Yeah, I think this is the only article of clothing that's been more controversial than the dress. You know what I'm talking about, right? I don't know what you're talking about with the dress. <laughs> the one, is it white or gold or black and blue? Oh, that, the from dress, the dress, sure, from the like 2015, sure. Puig's suit takes the cake, I think. It was at Kike's wedding, and he's wearing a, what was it, burgundy? Yeah, it's like a purplish burgundy suit. It's beautiful. Absolutely it's nice gorgeous. Suit. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> I mean, I don't think... We could wear anything that would make him look bad so i'm automatically for the suit i agree with you there's also that that um magazine special exactly where he's wearing nothing where he's wearing nothing he can wear anything even nothing and look great of course he can wear nothing and look great though he's puig he's puig go puig puig your friend <laughs> um he is on the chopping block at the winter meetings being used as a trade chip that's all the rumors that are out there puig is being used as a trade chip and so is Kemp. Uh, Dodgers have been shopping Kent. That's been the, the word the last few days. Uh, but today's podcast, as the winter meetings are started, um, there I think people are started to gather today. Um, the Rule 5 draft is on Wednesday, I believe. That's the last day of the winter meetings. But the winter meetings are really going to hit full stride starting tomorrow. Um, officially dealing with uh, minor league business, but we have everybody's agents there. We have all of the general managers there. There's going to be some big moves. I'm really excited to see what comes out of that. But the commissioner, the other day, Rob Manfred, came out with the suggestion that the that Major League Baseball may ban the shift in some form or another to um, help boost offense, boost excitement in baseball. Uh, Joe, what do we think about this? I think that's a load of shift. Ha! <laughs> How long have you been sitting on that one? Too long, Jake, too long. (laughs) I'm sorry I waited this long to ask then. Thank you. I've been holding my breath, waiting for my opportunity. So let's review what the shift is. So the defensive shift, um, it's it's been around in baseball for decades, but it's really gained a lot in popularity in the last four or five years. And that's where... um, either one or two infielders move to the other side of the field. So a shortstop may move to the right side of the diamond or a second baseman may move to the left side, or in rare cases, all of the infielders will be on the same side of the field. Like we famously saw with the Dodgers, uh, 2011 or 2012 with, it was Ethier, Gonzalez, Gordon, and I don't remember who the fourth guy was, but that shift worked. It famously worked. It was a Really, really exciting moment. Yeah, and I mean, we have Justin Turner over by second base all the time. Yeah, Dodgers, I think, implemented the shift just about as much as any other team could. You know, I mean, has. nobody used the shift more than the Astros did, though. They are a very sabermetric-friendly team, that's for I sure. I mean, they used the shift at like 43% of all of the plate appearances this year. That's pretty amazing. That's the most in baseball. So I was reading up on it a little bit um, yesterday and today, and I saw that in 2018... 17.5% of all pitches thrown in the majors this season during the regular season. Um, the defenses implemented uh, some sort of the, of the shift, which could be uh, banned. I mean, in a way that, that they were moved so far that if we put limitations on their position, they would not have been able to shift. And, you know, I think that that is just ridiculous. I don't understand why anybody would go to ban the shift 
it's just another defensive mechanism that we can use, a different strategy that we can use to make the game a little bit more competitive. So I sort of know where you stand on sabermetrics and getting any sort of strategy to get a leg up on the other team. I am more on the traditional side of things where I think that banning the shift might work in baseball's favor. How? So everybody's been talking about this last few days. Um, and I've listened to some great interviews from people who have given good arguments about other sports, uh, putting restrictions on other teams' defenses or offenses just to bring a good balance to the sport. Um, I mean, that was front, front and center was the NFL, um, which is um, one of the most popular sports in the United States right now. And uh, they banned holding the receiver. At, you know, they used to be able to do it for the first five yards of, of the play, and they, they started banning that. Now you can't hold the receiver like that. Um, so the receiver is just free to do whatever they want. Um, and traditionalists at the time had said, you know what, no, you know, if, if uh, the receiver is fast enough, they can get around the defender. Don't ban um, the defenseman from being able to, to hold on the, put a hold on the receiver and they, they implemented it and ended up working out. Offenses were boosted, became a little bit more excited. I think that's kind of an unfair, uh, comparison. I think it's really hard to compare football and baseball. We're talking about apples and oranges. We agree on something. (laughs) So I don't know. So should I keep talking about why I think baseball is so unique or do you, How, how about this? Let's think of it this way. Defensively, there are a lot of different strategies that we can employ. The pitchers, depending on the batter, will pitch differently. They'll throw a different combination of pitches, different strike-to-ball ratio, depending on the batter. The outfield, depending on the batter, may come in closer to the infield, may go out closer to the warning track into the wall. Why can't the infield move similarly depending on the batter? That's a good point. And... If batters were adjusting uh, more successfully to the defensive shifts, and they're not, the uh, baseball hasn't changed dramatically just because of the shift um, in the last four or five years. I mean, hitters' averages aren't going down dramatically or anything. No, I mean, definitely not. I mean, the shift does affect righties more than lefties, but it's really not that big of a difference. We're talking like maybe a 10-point difference in batting average. Yeah. But that difference in batting average can be made up for in other ways. For example, the shift increases walks, increases home runs. I mean, Justin Turner has a quote where he actually said that you don't beat the shift by hitting around it or through it. You beat the shift by hitting over it. Now, I'm a fan of all things Dodgers do that makes the Dodgers better, right? Like, I'm a huge fan of Clayton Kershaw, of course. I'm a huge fan of Rick Honeycutt and basically all things Dodgers pitching throughout their their um, lifetime in L.A., throughout their time in L.A., um, and before that with Sandy Koufax. And, um, you know, I, I love the art of defense in baseball. Um, so it's sort of tough for me to say since the Dodgers seem to be benefiting more from sabermetrics and more from the shift than a lot of other teams but I have to say, that sort of proved my point. 
Um, baseball is less exciting when there aren't as many, when there are not as many runners on the base paths. And when you're forced to either go big or go home every single at well, bat. Going big is going home. Yeah, thank you. Uh, so <laughs> when you're forced to either strike out, walk, or hit a home run, when those are the main three things that are happening compared to 10 years ago, I think that makes for less exciting baseball, just as a fan. And you know, as somebody who likes, who enjoys looking into sabermetrics and into the stats of baseball, and who enjoys uh, looking at what teams might be trying to do to improve their teams and improve their strategies to win, I think that's interesting and fun, but I think there is exciting strategy and strategy that makes the game better. And there's another type of strategy that makes the game worse, that makes any game worse, but baseball makes baseball worse. And for me, I think the defense has just a little bit too much of an edge in baseball. Uh, and pitchers are getting better and better, and they're hitting their corners more. And like I said, I hate saying things against what the Dodgers are good at. And the Dodgers starting pitching is so good at hitting their spots um, to get strikes. Um, but I think it makes for less exciting baseball. You're going to get less, fewer runners on the base pass, and you're going to get um, you're going to get good hitters out more often. I think that's something that's important that you've been saying is that it makes it less exciting. And I think that there's something to be said there about baseball fans who say that it's not exciting enough. It may not be exciting in the sense that, yes, there's always somebody on the base. People are constantly getting hits. But I think it makes it more interesting. It gives the game more strategy. And I think that that's important. And then it also kind of changes the way that the pitcher has to pitch. So it also allows them to show their strategy and athleticism more as well. I see your point with, with strategy. And I, I'm 100% for teams doing whatever they can uh, uh, to win as long as it's not at the detriment of the sport. Um, so you say batting averages haven't gone down that much, and that's true. Um, when you're talking statistically, yes, it hasn't gone down, quote unquote, um, st uh, statistically significantly, right? Right. Um, but batting average for 2018 regular season, the average was 248 for the okay. entire season across all teams. That is the lowest since 1972. But do you know how, what is the difference between, let's say, 2017 and 2018? Uh, 255 to 248. And so there were, um, like I said, there were 17.5% of the pitches thrown in 2018 mm -hmm. were thrown with the shift. Um, in 2017, that was under 10%. But is there any way to know that that is because of the shift? It's probably all... not. The shift isn't probably the major thing. There's so many factors that go into what makes mm -hmm. a baseball season a baseball season. But sabermetrics has become uh, just really ingrained in baseball and, and has been getting that way for 15 years or so. Mm -hmm. more, more than ever. It is just so ingrained in baseball. And I think the shift is really the biggest thing to change in a biggest, the biggest way. And I, I'm going to say in the last two years at least. So you think that maybe, I just want to make sure that I'm understanding you. Like one other thing that's really big is platooning. Uh-huh. How big of an effect do you think that is, have, is having versus the shift? It's a good question because I think they come hand in hand. Platooning wasn't a thing until 
I mean, not in a major way until just less than 10 years ago, I would say. Right? So, mm -hmm. I don't know. I think they go hand in hand. And you're right. I don't think the shift, banning the shift, is going to do a, a, make a major boost in offense. But um, it's going to do something. It's, it's going to do something. And how are you going to ban sabermetrics? So there are a, a lot of things that go into sabermetrics. Let me just talk about this briefly. Okay. So baseball has always used stats, always, since the very beginning. It's actually a really good part of the sport. Um, they've looked at batting averages. They've looked at number of strikeouts for the pitcher. Um, and they've, they've looked at, you know, number of walks for a hitter. They look at all these stats that hitters and, and defenders have, right? Number of errors. Mm -hmm. And they always have, going back to probably before the 1920s. Um, but since 2002, there's sabermetrics, which looks at baseball in a really scientific, objective way, taking out the emotion uh, from making decisions in baseball. And it gives... Uh, management and and staff and players an edge over other teams if they have better sabermetrics and so let me give you an example of sabermetrics one example big example of sabermetrics is you can look at um how uh, a batter is going to do against a pitcher um in regards to strikes so you can look at four different aspects four different people who affect the strike zone um, these people studying sabermetrics in baseball are able to look at how a batter does against a specific pitcher. How So each batter is going to have a different strike zone. And then each pitcher is going to have a different strike zone on average across the season. Um, a strike zone isn't an exact science. It's called by a human, and that human is the umpire. And each umpire has a little bit of a different strike zone. Um... And finally, believe it or not, each catcher over the season has a different strike zone. And so what you get in these statistical models in an office room, in a major league stadium, is you make all these combinations and go, who's going to be umping tonight? Who are the, who's in the lineup? Who's the catcher going to be? Who's going to be the starting pitcher? And you go, okay, this righty is going to have a, a smaller strike zone. Let's put him in here. Let's put him in the lineup here. Um, so that's one example of sabermetrics where they, they are able to pull in the data of what's been done before and they're able to, as best as possible, predict what the game is going to look like down to the strikes. There are literally dozens of other regular types of sabermetrics that owners and management and um, analysis analysts excuse me do um, for a team. Um, just looking at numbers and just looking at data from previous games. And there's so much baseball played, 162 games played by each team, each of the 30 teams. So every year you're talking about thousands of games that you have access to data from. So um, Sabermetrics has been a big part of baseball for 15 or so years. Um, I'm not a huge fan of how much and how ingrained it's become so that si baseball has become more of a science and a, an objective thing. And it's become, uh, less, I don't know, like for someone like me, less spiritual and less like ingrained in your soul, you know, I mean, coming from you, that's big though, because the Dodgers are your religion. The Dodgers are my religion. Yes. The Dodgers are my religion. 
Um, I went to school for, you know, in a very statistically focused major. So, I mean, that's another, you know, big part of my background, but, um, I think that's really important for, for baseball to continue on that path, to get that sort of strategy, the cats out of the bag there. So we're going to continue on that path. And I understand that. I don't think we can control that, but what we can control are little things like the shift. We can put, we can put defenders in, in somewhat of some boundaries. But here's the thing. So I'm, I'm just going to reiterate that I don't believe that the infield should have these boundaries that the other defensive positions don't have. But that being said, I also think that it's important to look at what the shift gives versus what it takes away. Yeah, it may take away a single if they're hitting like down the side that the shift is happening on, but it also opens up the entire other side of the field for a single or a short bunt. So it is giving those other opportunities. And a lot of the statistics that are actually looking at the shift and how it lowers batting average are looking at the league as a whole and not taking into account the guys who the shift is used on. For example, Chris Davis. Do you know who Chris Davis is? Orioles. Not great. He's not great? He's not great. I didn't know that. But he's almost always shifted. And then Jose Altuve. He's great. Great player. He's almost never shifted against. And that impacts the batting average that you see when the shift is on because the guys who already aren't getting that many hits are the ones being shifted against. Right. I've heard a lot of arguments against banning the shift, saying that batters just need to adjust. And sure, if the shift is not banned, um, hitters are going to adjust. And I think we're going to start seeing a different type of hitter make it into the majors. And I think that's amazing. It's something. It's something, right? I think that requiring more athleticism and making the game evolve is a great idea. More athleticism. I'm going to disagree with that one there. I think you're going to have to select for players that are going to be more versatile in their ability to hit different parts of the field. I don't think that's a bad thing. I mean, when you're watching and you see a guy hit a home run the other way, it's exciting. When you see someone get a hit going the other way and it's unexpected, it's exciting. When you see someone beat the shift, it's more exciting when they, than when they get a regular hit. How often do you see somebody get a real hit that beats the shift? I mean... It's rare, Joe. But it's great when it happens. And I think that it would be great if we kept challenging the guys to do that. I don't think that just because they aren't performing well against it right now that we should just take it out and be like, well, this was a great experiment. See you guys in 100 years. <laughs> okay i I mean i think you're right i think no matter what happens whether there's some sort of ban or restriction on the shift or if there's not i think for me it's going to be exciting to see what happens because if the shift is not banned we're going to see a different type of player that's going to be called up to the majors and well let me go back a little bit further here before i get to that i think hitting a major league pitcher or hitting against a major league pitcher is one of the hardest things to do in sports. You hear that time and time again. The barrel of the bat is 2.5 to almost 3 inches, I think. It's this tiny little piece of wood. And you got this baseball that's just a, a little bit wider that, than that in di- diameter. And you're, you're supposed to hit it right on, right on the nose. Going 85 miles per hour, possibly faster against a pitcher who's probably throwing movement in it, and if there's no movement in a curve or a slider, it's probably going really, really fast. 
Um, I think that's difficult to do. It takes focus, it takes muscle memory, and, and years and years and years of, of, of uh, focused training, uh, and it takes a tremendous amount of skill to be able to do that successfully on a regular basis. And so when you start um, allowing defenders to, on a regular basis, move to the places where your ball is going to be landing, landing most likely and most often, it makes the hardest thing in sports, the most complicated and unskillful thing to do in sports, just that much more difficult. And so you're going to be selecting for players who may not be as strong, they may not be as athletic, but they'll be able to do this one thing a little bit better than everybody else, which is be able to select the different parts of the field. Now, you bringing up Altuve is a good point because I think he's one of the best in the game. And if he's able to hit to different parts of the field um, regularly, um, so much so that they're not putting the shift against him, good for him. I think he's a rare player, and I don't think there are too many guys like him out there. But imagine what the game would be like if there were more guys like him out there. I mean, the guy's very talented. Yeah, I hate the guy because he's an Astro and whatever. I'm still bitter about the World Series last year, but it did he's a talented player. He's very talented. Extremely talented. And I don't think that it would hurt to have more guys like him in the game. I think it could only make it more exciting and... Yeah. That's a great point. Yeah. I have a hard time uh, debating against that. I find it very interesting, though, that you made it seem like having guys who could hit to multiple points of the field would potentially make them less athletic. I want to hear more about why you think that would be. I don't think it makes them less athletic. I think you're more likely to find guys in the majors who have been training a certain way their entire lives. And so they've spent the better part of probably 15 to 20 years training, uh, hitting tens and thousands of of practice balls um in in the diamond and they just have muscle memory and they have a way that they're doing strength training and a way that they're practicing to hit and they change their swing and they try to change their swing all the time i think some of the best or a lot most of the good hitters are constantly changing their swing you hear that time and time again from from hitters and um, famously, you saw it on TV. The broadcasters were pointing out um, who was Max Muncy, how he changed his swing from the o- Oakland Athletics mm-hmm. from doing a straight up standing up to like bending down. That's an example of how he changed it. I think that was more for launch angle and actually kind of against what I'm talking about because he was trying <laughs> to launch it in the air to get more home runs. But whatever. Guys are trying to, to change their swing all the time. Um, and so if. If you're not looking for strength in particular or for a guy who has done hitting a certain way his entire life and he's so skilled at it that it, it, it turns out that he's only really, really skilled and one of the best in the world at hitting till two or three parts of an eight-part field, you know, if you break up the field into eight pie slices, I mean, you're going to get to guys who are going to be better at hitting to maybe six to seven parts of the field on a regular basis. I think that might take away from those those players that are so skilled at hitting to those parts of the the two or three parts of the field. I mean, I think that's that's hard to argue with. I agree there are a lot of guys who are very talented who may not be able to hit to all of the field, and maybe this would make them a little bit obsolete. But we have a whole new generation coming in, 
And I think it's a great time to start making that change. I mean, these guys are paid up to like, what, $30 million a the year? The best ones are, yes. Like, you can learn how to hit to more parts of the field. That's all I'm saying. What are we paying you for? You sound like my old man. <laughs> when, I, when an outfielder misses a, a fly ball, he goes, what are you getting paid for? Would you get paid 100000 to miss that? Anyways. Exactly. They're making more money than I ever will in my life to hit this ball. And, you know, I don't think it's too much to ask to maybe try to hit it to one more part of the field to overcome a few more challenges when you're up to bat. I mean, I know that you're saying that it makes it kind of unfair for the offense because they have so much to overcome, but it affects both teams. It's not like there's just one team on the defense that's using the shift against the other. It's both sides. So in that sense, they are still evenly matched. Both teams still have the same barriers to overcome. Each side has that, but it's each defense that has that. Which yes. is my argument, which, which makes it so that if the player, if the hitters want to beat the shift, they've got to do a some sort of poking bunt single sort of thing, which or, you know, hit a fly ball, right to drop. Mm. I just think that there's so much rich strategy involved with the shift that I don't want to see go away. Yes, it can be confusing sometimes if you're not like paying super close attention, then all of a sudden your third baseman is all the way out past second base and you have no idea what's going on. But I think it's fun and it's part of the strategy. There have been natural shifts in baseball over the life of baseball so that the offense has had more advantages before, the defense has, has had more advantages before, and famously the mound was lowered uh, I mean, they changed the actual baseball, um, you know, so that it wasn't so lively. They've they've made tons of changes to give either the defense or the offense uh, a little bit more uh, of an edge to get more of an equal standing. But, I mean, you look at the stats from the last, I mean, even 15 years here. So let's see, I've got it up right now. So it's 2018 right now. We go back to 2003. Joe, guess how many strikeouts on average there were in 2003 for that regular season year on average for a game? How many? 6.34 strikeouts per game. Okay. After that, it's gone steadily up. 6.55, 6.62, 6.91. I'm skipping a few years here, but it's basically the last since... 2010 it has not been below seven and it's gone all the way up to 8.48 in 2018 but the question is how much of that is due to the shift versus changing pitching right that that's exactly what i'm talking about i'm saying there are ebbs and flows and there are Mm. natural shifts in baseball and right now the defense is getting more and more of an edge for whatever reason last season and i'm gonna say it's because offenses who are more high risk partly i'm gonna say because of the shift Offenses who are more high risk and batters who are more high risk, go big or go home, um, they're the ones who are rewarded. And so it's like they're either hitting a home run or they're striking out. That doesn't translate to slugging because slugging percentage hasn't really changed that much in the last, geez, since the early 90s. I mean, it it took a little bit of a hike since then, and it's been in the low 400s since then. Hasn't really changed much. But strikeouts have gone up, ERAs have gone down, batting averages have gone down. And that makes, for me, a little bit less of exciting of baseball. 
I think that the real root of this debate, at least between the two of us, is what we find exciting about baseball. I agree. Because I think that it is such an exciting game when both pitchers are on their game and every pitch is just super intense because you don't know what's going to happen. Love a good and, pitch duel. And even if it's a game where there are no where there's no scores, maybe even no hits until late in the game, I find that more exciting than a game where it's like home run after home run. You make a good argument there. Baseball is losing viewers, but so is every sport, every major sport. But mm -hmm. Okay, well, I'm excited to see what happens with whether or not the, the shift is banned by Major League Baseball. It's going to be exciting to see one way or another. Yeah. And I am kind of excited to see a little bit of a restriction because I'm pretty sure there will be. And I really hope that there isn't because <laughs> I, I don't think it's fair to restrict the infielders and nobody else. I mean, I mean, the pitcher is kind of restricted, but like other pitchers also have, you know, batter's boxes and everything. Everybody's restricted in one way or another, right? But I mean, defensively, I mean, I've already brought up how, you know, the pitchers can adjust depending on the batter, the outfield can adjust. I just think that the infield sure. should have that same opportunity. That's all. Okay. That's all. All right. Well, we're rehashing a little bit here, but um, <laughs> thanks for listening, everybody. You can find us at um, on Twitter at, at we believe in LA. Let us know what you think about the shift. We'd be happy to add some more arguments into the debate here. Or yeah, just, we just want to see them, you know, see what the, the actual reaction is from major league league baseball to all of this talk. I mean, it was brought up by the commissioner for goodness sakes. So there's going to be something one way or another said about it in the future. I'm sure excited to see how these winter meetings go. Hopefully we're able to get a catcher by the end of the week. That would be nice. It would be nice. All right, doesn't we'll catch you guys next time. Sorry, what were you guys Oh, saying? I was just going to say, it doesn't have to be a big name. We just need a name. <laughs> we have Barnes. <laughs> yeah, we have Barnes. <laughs> All right, bye, everybody.